Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today I'm extraordinarily excited because not only do we have one of the best minds in the industry, we have one of the best minds at Pragmatic. Hi, Rich. Hello, Rebecca. Nothing like setting that bar low. Thank you. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So those who don't know, we have with us Rich Nitinsky, uh, who is a longtime pragmatic instructor, uh, product management guru, leader, experienced executive, uh, and who just celebrated 15 years with us as an instructor. Yes, I did. And right. it just seems like yesterday. Yes, I did. <laughs> so, I mean, I think one of the fun things for us to explore today, Rich, is uh, you know, in, in your career, both before you joined Primatic and also all of the time that you spend, all the different companies you see, all the different technologies you learn about, all of the different people you teach, sort of the evolution of the profession that you've seen um, and what's changed and what's not changed. And I think if we can just dive right in there, that'd be great. But first, just for those who haven't had the pleasure of having you in front of the classroom, maybe just give everybody a little bit of the rich story and background. Sure, I'm happy to do that. So I, um, I stumbled my way into technology a long, long, long time ago. We've already established the fact that I've been around a while. And I spent, uh, I worked in mainly software, uh, enterprise software. I worked for some really large software entities. Uh, I started my career in what at the time was the largest application software company in the world, um, no longer in business. And I worked for large companies and small companies and um, eventually was the founder of a startup, my own company. And I pretty much did everything you could do in the software world. Some, some of my experience was also in service-based technology companies uh, and even uh, some B2C. <clears throat> um, and I made my way around the company. I, I did implementation consulting and helped clients implement technology. I did... Um, pre-sales support kind of, you know, product demo, Dolly, helping salespeople and customers find that right fit. And then I made the fateful decision of diving into the world of product. And I often joke that I, uh, I got tired of complaining about the product. So I decided to do something about it and jumped into product management. And as I started my career in the world of product management and product marketing, um, at one point, I realized that the one thing I, I became the leader of some product teams, and I realized the one thing that my team was missing, as talented as they were, was that we we didn't do we had no training. I mean, everybody was just kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool, and we were struggling to figure out how to get things done. So I stumbled onto a little company named Pragmatic, and I decided maybe that was something I needed my uh, team to learn. But before I was willing to send a team, I thought I should go find out what they were all about. So I signed up for a course. And uh, I know that there isn't a lot of credibility here because I've been an employee for a long time. But I have to tell you, it was a seminal moment in my career. It changed everything for me. The things I learned from Pragmatic, the model I learned, the approach I learned were just completely revolutionary at the time and changed everything. So I sent my whole team to Pragmatic and I implemented it. 
And I found when I went to my next company, I implemented it again. And when I was a founder of my own company, I used the model again. And the reason I kept using it is it just worked. Uh, when I got to a point where I was sold my company and I didn't really know what I wanted to do next through a whole series of accidents. I ended up in a discussion with the founder of Pragmatic who said to me, why don't you teach other people this? You've got the experience, you're, you know, you're enthusiastic about what we teach. How'd you like to teach it? And who knew, who knew that I would find the thing that I really have loved the best. And that is meeting thousands. I, I, I think the number five years ago that um, you guys told me was that I had taught personally somewhere in the neighborhood of 40,000 students um, around the world. And so add another five years to that. Uh, it, it is the, one of the most rewarding things you ever could do. But I think the thing that makes it equally rewarding is you believe in what you're doing. You know, I really believe that when I teach people the things that we teach, I'm giving them really valuable information. It's going to help them. It's going to help them. It's going to help their companies. It's the way you should do this. And it leads to success. So I've been doing it ever since. And it's the best thing I ever did. And that's pretty much my story. Um, I love your story, Rich. And and I think what you bring to your story is what you bring when you teach, right? It's a, a It's both the experience of having done it yourself and just a true belief that if we follow these processes, we get better outcomes, we get better products, we have better companies, and we have more success. And it, it and it and it rings so true because it is so true, and it is so true for you. You know, Rebecca, um, one of the big things you know, you say to me, "What's changed? Um, what have you seen from an evolution?" And and the the first thing I wanted to to say, just on this point, I mentioned that when I first learned this, you know, it was really different. It was really different than anything I had heard, any approach I had seen. Companies were pretty much steeped in their own product, wrapped around their own prop value propositions. You know, we kind of consumed our own messages. And it was a matter of going out there and getting other people to see things our way. And when I learned uh, what Pragmatic was teaching about being market driven, about putting your customers at the center, that the answer to your questions is in the marketplace, that you don't have to sit in a room by yourself and have inspiration strike you, you know, an inspiration of uh, uh, and some wild idea to be successful, that what you have to do is hard work of finding real market problems and solving those problems better, cheaper, faster than other people do it. And, and when that became a part of the way I thought, when it became ingrained in me, um, it was a, it was difficult in many instances to get people to think that way. They hadn't thought that way. One of the biggest changes I found, I feel so validated. Uh, when I look around and I try to stay up to date, you know, I read voraciously. Um, I think there are tons of really smart people out there writing really great books and 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 promoting really read. And as I learn about some of the more current approaches and methodologies and, and concepts that people are embracing. I can't help but see in virtually every one of them, the essence of what Pragmatic was teaching over 25 years ago. I mean, we predated the Agile Manifesto. And yet this notion of 
iterating, of doing less more, of doing the right things, of keeping people focused on outcomes. The notion of you, I mean, we, we were promoting essentially what were user stories before there was anything called user stories. We had a different name for it, but fundamentally it was the same stuff. So whether I'm looking at safe frameworks or whether I'm looking at jobs to be done or whether I'm looking at the discussion of OKRs, when I look at all of these things, I, I, I kind of smile and I have to say I'm proud. Because it seems to me at the essence of most of our modern thinking are the same concepts that our company was such a pioneer in driving forward and continue to develop. So I really feel validated about that. And it's something, uh, it just makes me so happy to, to, to know. I mean, I always felt we, we were the right way, but sometimes you felt like you were swimming upstream. Um, I don't feel that way at all. I find it's so easy to bridge all of this thinking um, with what the, the fundamental essence of what we've always taught. So I really feel validated about that. And I think that's such a great point. I mean, the number of guests I've had on my podcast talking about pieces uh, and the concepts that they bring and the concepts that we teach, there's such parallels there, whether, whether or not they're familiar with our teaching. And that's, it's agree with you. It's really neat to see. Um, and, and the, the, um, appreciation and understanding of that approach is, is significantly better uh, understood. It is more widespread. Um, that doesn't always necessarily mean that we are better at doing it or that we're consistently no. following the discipline, right? We know it's like, it's like a good diet and exercise program. You know exactly what you should do, uh, but it doesn't mean <laughs> we're doing it uh, consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. It's a good point. But that's why there's, you know, same thing with personal trainers and, and good, good instructors and good coaches. There are tools, there are techniques that can take it from now you know the concept to now you can apply it. Uh, and now there is some, some implementation help. There are partners along the way. There's a community around you uh, to help, help you actually bring these concepts you know and love to life. And dare I say, make them pragmatic. Yes. Absolutely. In, in, in the true, in the true sense of the word. Yes. So, what else have you seen? What else, when you look out uh, at the landscape, really pops? Well, I'll tell you, you what. Um, I have been more excited about what's going on in the world of product in the last five years or so. Um, I believe we are in an inflection point. If I look back over my long career, I mean, not to overemphasize uh, my, how long I've been around. But when I started in technology, we were talking about mainframe computers and air conditioned glass enclosed rooms where you didn't talk to developers, coders. You know, it, it, was, it was this mysterious thing. And I have lived through the revolutions of getting out of that mainframe environment through the client server wars, through the network wars, to the cloud, to the web, to the apps, to the, you know, what a, what, a, what a journey it has been. And I am so excited because I believe we are entering the age of products. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I believe the technology is starting to settle down. I think the debate about technology um, after decades of wrestling with it, it's pretty much settled. Um, we, we, we found a, a convergence of devices 
uh, between business and personal. You know, there was a time when products were about how do I take a spreadsheet that was useful in business and make it helpful for me to do my home budgeting or create a shopping list or make my Christmas cards. You know, it was how do I take essentially business applications and apply them to the rest of the world? Well, well that's gone. It's gone. The proliferation of products, the millions of apps, the offerings, the services, uh, settle. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm amazed. People don't realize we take it for granted today. I could give you two sterling examples. Um, I have a relative who, while a student recognized the market problem, thought that had a way of doing it was able as a young person, as a teenager to garner the resources, to create some apps, had a distribution model available to billions of people through platforms like Amazon, was able to talk to people and gather information through social platforms, was able to crowdsource for funding rather than the VC dance, and built a company that today, 15 years later, is a very successful commercial software company um, with multiple products and it became, and he's the CEO, became a career. Similarly, I just was engaged with a young woman, um, an interesting story, and one I actually want to talk to you about offline. Um, she approached, I belong to a number of groups on some social platforms. And in this group on a specific topic, she put a post out that said, listen, I've got an idea. Uh, I, here's my background. She actually had been working in um, food, the food industry. She was a, uh, someone that did research and development and, and on food products for large food processing companies. And she saw this, she saw, she saw a need for a specific niche line of food, in her, her case particularly, kind of more contemporary, um, kosher food based on kind of Jewish cuisine um, that brought people back to their childhood and memories and kind of ethnic line of products, uh, comfort kind of foods, but kosher and available distributed digitally, you know, and, and through websites. And she was exploring the idea of doing that. And so she put a post out that said, listen, I'm looking for anybody interested talking to me about your memories, about growing up and, and what about your food memories and your family. And, and so I responded to her that, you know, I, I'd be happy to talk to her. And also, you know, I had some background in developing products and businesses. And she, we got in touch. We did, a, we did an interview. We did a, we did a video call. And we spent about an hour on the phone. She had some questions for me. And she told me that the response to her request for people willing to talk just overwhelmed her. She was inundated with people who were willing to give her some time. And she did a whole series of interviews to try to sound out her idea. She asked a lot of great questions. Um, she then, we then kind of got off the topic of what she was researching and got into starting a business and building a product line. And we kind of stayed in touch. 
and she's moved forward. Uh, she's reached out to me when she was doing some things about branding and naming the company. And, but she again expressed this notion of crowdsourcing. She's doing market interviews via social media because she has these audiences available that are subject specific. These groups where the topic is everybody's got a common need, common interest, and she tapped into them and she was able to do interviews. She was then able to put out questions on the social platforms to validate things she was hearing from interviews and she was doing surveys and she's moving right along with the business um, and she's learned some things she didn't expect and she's confirmed some things she did believe and she's just gonna move forward. And this kind of model, I've been calling it the democratization of products. This notion that the proliferation of what we can offer to the market, the platforms available to us, the technologies are available and secondary. So now what skills do you need? Well, obviously you need to have an idea. You need to have a passion and an interest, but I'm going to argue the skill that's really going to be necessary is you're going to have to know something about products, about how to get them built, about how to market them, about how to design them, about how to take them to market, about how do you move to the second product and the third product. So I'm so excited because I believe now the need for what we teach, the need for the processes and the model that we've invoked is now because it's going to, it's pervasive and we've moved away. Uh, you know, I, I'm still somewhat mystified when I, I participate in a lot of groups that are product management, product team oriented, again, on social media. I'm astounded by how many people in that world are still stuck in the world of talking about the tools they use. You know, talk mm -hmm. to me about how you live in a JIRA world. Talk to me about how you use this tool. Does anybody have a great tool to do this? And I often make a comment in these groups that say, you know, this is like talking to a group of carpenters and they spend three hours talking about their favorite hammer. We shouldn't be talking about the hammer. We should be talking about carpentry. We should be talking about the things that we're gonna use these tools to do, what they enable us to do and what the steps are. And um, I'm just so excited because I'm seeing this revolution in the world of products. And I think we're entering the age of products. I think we're there. They're coming, they're going, How, which ones are successful? What makes an app stick? How do you come up with the second one and the third one? How do you differentiate? I mean, competitive intelligence. Let's just talk about competitive landscape. Really fascinating. I have seen, and it took me a little while to catch on here. I have seen people in, in social media threads throw a question out like, can anybody recommend a local service provider that does this, you know, a, a plumber, a, a restaurant, a pizza shop? Here's what I'm looking for. Who would you recommend? And people come back with a list of people, names of, of businesses, and, and then the thread starts. People say, oh, they're good. They're bad. Oh, this is bad because of this. These guys are great because of that. And I'm sitting there watching this repeat itself. And all of a sudden, I stumbled on the fact and I contacted someone that said, why did you ask that question? Were you actually looking for a pizza shop? And the answer was, no, we're thinking about opening a pizza shop. I wanted to know who else was there. 
I wanted to know who people liked. I wanted to know what they didn't like. And they were actually assessing competitive landscape and preferences of the market using the social media platform and asking a question. I thought it was fascinating, just fascinating about what we can do today. We have availability to audiences like we never had before directly. We have availability to a distribution model with billions. You know, you, you don't need distribution partners. You go on Amazon, you put it on a platform, you put it on other e-commerce sites, boom, fulfillment, done. You have access to funding and crowdsourcing and, uh, and other methods. It's just remarkable where we are. And, and I think it's a revolutionary time in the world of products. You know, Rich, one of the things you started off by saying was that, you know, it's not about the technology anymore. And I think it's spot on. And as I listen to you, it's it's not about the technology. It's about the user and the market. And I think not only our access to our users in our market is, is super different, but their participation and their desire to participate in that product cycle is super different. We've been really fortunate because we teach product managers and product marketers, right? So my they're 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 among the most willing people to participate in Nahito calls and research because I think they're like looking for the good karma uh, for it to come back to them when they're doing their own. But I see that happen now, right? You're talking about people wanting to share their food memories and people providing responses to those kind of threads. I think people not only want to, but they're starting to really expect to be part of that product discovery and development and feedback cycle in a way that makes it so much more powerful uh, than it had been in the past. The, the thing I'm noticing, I don't know if you are, Rebecca, I'm interested in hearing your comments, but what where we used to simply post things, uh, I am finding, at least in what I'm experiencing, that the posts are now turning into thread discussions, right? These threads are developing you know, I'm in some groups where there are people in that group. I feel like I know them. they live halfway mm -hmm. around the world, mm -hmm. but yet we always respond to each other's comments and our likes and our shares and, and, you know, nice job. And there, there's a, there's a, a, you know, I'm a foodie and, and I'm in some groups where we, we share some of the things we cook and some of the observations about cooking. And there's a guy out in Western Canada who I've become friends with. I don't, I wouldn't know if I hit him with a car. <laughs> but we, we have this relationship we've developed on these platforms. And, and I think the other thing um, that's a big opportunity for everyone is some of the other things we've learned um, re in modern times. So, you know, the technology is one thing. The fact we all carry around a device where we expect to be able to do virtually anything in, in our mobile devices mm. and that and that the devices and the technology are kind of interchangeable and ubiquitous. Um, the other thing is how much we've learned about people. Uh, I, I read a, a, an interesting book re recently. Um, because of the advent of technologies like CAT scans and MRIs and, and other imaging, people are doing research on the brain. We, we have learned more about how the human brain works in the last 20 years than we did in all of recorded time before the last 20 years, wow. right? We've learned about um, how the brain works and, and how people learn and how people hear and, and what impacts them and different levels of the brain and where information is stored and how it's recalled. And it's a very interesting topic. 
it, it, from a physiological standpoint. But the interpretation of what we learned is there's now scientific data, for instance, that says, if you really wanna influence people, you need to understand how the brain works. You need to understand how the brain calls back memories. You need, when people resist ideas, you need to understand where that resistance is coming from and what spurs it. When people are open to change, you need to understand how that happens. And one of the really interesting things the research shows is that the conveyance of ideas through the story, telling stories, is probably the most effective way um, for people to get something. Um, to learn to listen to people and hear what their story is, learn what a lot of scientists are calling their life story, and then being able to dovetail your ideas and thoughts and messages so that it can impact their individual specific life story so that they can internalize it and impact them and affect their beliefs, their behaviors, uh, and all the things that marketers, we try to do, their perceptions. It's amazing what we know today and the ability to do that. It's not just potluck. So as we start to integrate some of these ideas, I think we really are moving to a world where one-to-one -one marketing um, is really an understanding of individuals. And I'm sure we'll classify them into groups, but that with an understanding of, of how to do that, the ability to get noticed, the ability to have impact, the ability to persuade, uh, to stand out in the crowd because you understand how people listen and think, it's gonna be a remarkable revolution. I don't know, I'll be around to see it all, but I see it coming. I see it coming for sure. And I think the ability to do that kind of micro-segmentation and communication in a way that feels authentic is the places that are really going to separate themselves, where it feels like you understand me and my life story and you're supporting it. And it doesn't feel like you're, you know, tugging out of my shirt sleeve saying, Rebecca, Rebecca, Rebe you know what I mean? Yeah. Like where, yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. nuance, that flip is, is, is going to be so different. Really different. Really different. It's, it's, it's an exciting time. I wish I was 30 years younger. Yeah. No, actually, I don't. I'm lying. I really don't. <laughs> I don't want to. No, I'm not 30 more years. No, no, no. All right. Well, you know what, Rich, we talked a lot of about a lot of stuff. Uh, is there anything else that you want to make sure that, um, you know, maybe some takeaways, some things, knowing what you know now, knowing what you've seen, knowing how the world is today? Are there a couple of things, a couple of pieces of advice that you would give our listeners uh, that they can do something with tomorrow? I, I, I don't know that my message has changed much throughout my career, mm -hmm. but I've always told people who I've tried to mentor and pass on something I think was valuable. The one ingredient, uh, look, everybody understands that it's good to have knowledge. Um, everybody understands it's good to be smart. Everybody understands it's good to work hard. I think the one ingredient that's mandatory and you can't, you have to have passion. You have to have passion. If you don't have the passion, find something you have the passion for and then go for it. Believe in yourself. Um, look, you're never going to hit 100%. You know, nobody hits 100%. 
And we all know that it's trite to say this. You learn more from failures than you do from successes. Sometimes you have successes. You don't know what made it successful. You know, part luck, part skill, part knowledge. Got it. Um, failures you can dissect. Be retrospective. Be self-critical. Challenge. You know, I, I um, you could certainly attest to this, Rebecca. Some people over the years find me to sometimes be difficult because they I'm obstinate and somewhat opinionated. I'm pretty vocal, but I was doing, um, I was doing uh, office hours a couple of weeks ago for us, our, our Friday afternoon, ask me anything. And one of the students, uh, one of the participants in, in the conference call said, I love when Rich does this. And you know, I'm like, wow, great, I'll take compliments. And uh, Eddie, our moderator said, she said, you know, I wanna tell you why I love when Rich does this. Rich is a disruptor. He makes you think, he challenges you to think. He doesn't accept what you say at face value. He asks you, have you thought that through? And he disrupts your way of thinking. He makes you say, wait a minute. And I would, I would urge everybody, challenge yourself, disrupt yourself, ask questions. Um, explore things you have a passion for and stick with it and success is right there it's right around the corner and that's what I would offer to people that's just great advice right find something you're passionate about and then just keep pursuing it and poking at it and questioning it and being just when you're passionate I think it's easy to be curious about it right when you when you're a foodie like us you taste something like oh I wonder what ingredient that is I wonder how they you know find the passion and keep at it. And, and I think it's, it's true. Right. And don't settle yeah. because when we, when we, uh, when we passions aren't built on settling. And welcome to the age of products. Absolutely. That's where we are. Yeah. What a wonderful time to be in product management and product marketing. You betcha. All right, Rich. It was a genuine pleasure as always to have you on today. Thank you so much for the time. Rebecca, anytime at all. I love talking with you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 